everything is beautiful at the ballet. At least that's what they say in the Broadway musical A Chorus Line. Hi, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. On this week's episode, we sashay into the world of ballet. Coming up, if the tutu fits, this guy probably helped to ensure it did. An interview with Mark Happel, the director of New York City Ballet's Costume Shop. I worked a lot on Broadway and I worked a lot in film and as well worked for a few years at the Metropolitan Opera House. And when you come here, it's a totally different animal because you're designing a costume for basically an athlete. But first, ballet dancing your way to a better physique. Mary Helen Bowers danced with the New York City Ballet for 10 years, starting at age 16. Now she teaches other people how to train their bodies like a ballet dancer in a program she calls Ballet Beautiful. My name is Mary Helen Bowers, founder of Ballet Beautiful, and today we are in our New York City Soho studio. So Mary Helen, let's talk about the road that led to Ballet Beautiful? Well, it started out with me uh, dancing as a child. I always loved ballet. I always loved dancing. My first dance class I started when I was three years old. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, so I had a little ballet tap class once a week. And I went back the following year when I was four, and I had a different teacher. My friend wasn't in class. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I took a little break. And then later I had some friends that were dancing and my neighborhood, like some of my very best friends, and I saw what they were doing, and I really, I just had to like beg my mom, please, I really want to do ballet, let me go back, and she was going, no, remember, you did ballet, and you didn't like it, no, this is really, I really, really want to try it, and so I started one class a week, um, just at a regional, local school, there was a very good school called the Charlotte School of Ballet that was close to my house growing up, and I started there one ballet class a week the following year, two classes, three, and before I knew it, that was where I was every single day. And then the road took you to New York City. Yes. So for me, I guess it was probably around age 12, 13 was when I was getting more serious about ballet and realizing this is where I was every day after school and on Saturday and Sunday, and sort of deciding that that was what I wanted to do with my life. And so I set my sights on coming into New York and, of course, New York City Ballet, um, you know, one of the greatest companies in the world and definitely in the U.S. And the process from there for, for a young dancer is really getting into the school. And so the official school of the New York City Ballet is called the School of American Ballet, and they have a pretty rigorous audition process. Um, I applied through their summer program. I was initially accepted when I was 14, and offered a scholarship, and we turned it down because my parents thought that I was too young to go to New York City for the summer by myself. So when I went back the following year to audition, they pulled me aside, pulled me out of the dressing room at the audition and said, um, you know, why, why didn't you come last year when you were accepted? And I said, my parents thought that I was too young. And the woman said, tell your parents that you don't get a third chance. <laughs> And so I said, of course I will. And I went home, relayed the message, we received the acceptance letter, and off I went. From there, there were no, really no looking back. Um, And everything moved pretty quickly. I spent, within maybe the first week of that summer course, I was invited back to stay and study at SAB for the year. And I spent a little over a year in the company, or in the school rather, before I was invited to join New York City Ballet. You were 16 years old yeah. when you were invited to join New York City <laughs> Ballet. 16. So young. For me, it was obviously a dream come true, but 
it happened so quickly, it was really unexpected. I was, I remember when they told me that Peter had asked me to join the company, I was just shocked. I couldn't And who's it. Peter? Peter Martins, the artistic director. Is that unusual for someone that young at 16 to join the New York City Ballet? It's definitely early. I mean, a professional dancer's career is because it's so physical. It's closer to being a professional athlete in terms of the length of your career and and how fragile it is physically. So it's going to start earlier and end earlier, but certainly 16 is, is on the very early side. How rigorous is the training when you're working with the New York City Ballet? It's really intense. It And for me, it was that was a big shock physically. You know, I was a teenager, a junior in high school, going from being in a very rigorous pre-professional program at the School of American Ballet to entering New York City Ballet was just a whole nother level. So it took me a while for my body to adjust and to build strength and to learn how to really keep up with the professionals because basically you're just thrown in there literally you know, the next day. How many hours a day would you say you're rehearsing when you're getting ready for a performance? I mean, you're in the theater from maybe 10 in the morning until 10 or 11 at night. So you have your company class in the morning, a series of rehearsals throughout the day, a small break between your rehearsals and the show to get your makeup on, stretch, warm up, maybe get some physical therapy, um, and then you're performing at night. And that's going on you know, Monday through Friday. On Saturdays, you have a matinee. On Sunday, you have one show, but you still have class and rehearsals in the morning. How do you balance that as a 16-year-old with school? <laughs> well, I was very fortunate that I was enrolled already at the professional children's school. And they're a great school that's located by Lincoln Center, and they're really designed to cater to professional kids. So once I started with the company, I basically went on a very structured form of guided study where I would go in on Mondays, I would sleep in um, because I was exhausted and really needed my rest. So I would sleep late when school was finished, when the regular classes were finished for the day. I would go in, meet with my professors, take tests, turn in my work. So I went to high school, I graduated, but I didn't spend a lot of time there. What would you say it is for you about ballet compared to any other type of dance? I suppose I've just always found ballet was the form of dance that really spoke to me and moved my heart. To me, it's really the most beautiful of the art forms. And I think I think the history of it, probably every aspect, the movement from from your daily class and, you know, plies and tendus, the process of warming up your body, preparing your feet, the shoes, to being on stage. Now, you just threw around a couple of terms that I've never heard, (laughs) so tell me what those are. So, uh, a dancer's training, particularly as a ballet dancer, there's a lot of repetition. You're always searching for perfection, and so you do the same movements again and again, and you're training every day. And, And there's also a very pretty structured process of warming up that's used in almost every ballet class, a series of movements that start at the bar, maybe stretching on the floor to begin with, then beginning at the bar, then moving away from the bar into the center, repeating almost everything you've done. Plie means to bend in French. So that process of bending the knees, the hips are open. Tendu means to stretch. So stretching the legs, bending and stretching, and that's really on a, as particularly from a fitness perspective, what ballet is. It's bending and it's stretching the muscles. So how long did you spend with the New York City Ballet? Ten years. 
And I was really fortunate I had a great transition when I left the company. I had already been accepted at Columbia University. They've got a great program that caters to what they call non-traditional students. So students who have a compelling break between high school and college, and that certainly was me. <laughs> so I was able to step in at Columbia and immerse myself into my studies and kind of this new world, which for me it was very exciting, but also kind of confusing to find an existence for yourself outside of the ballet world, outside of the dance studio and not being on stage every day. What did you study at Columbia? English literature. So I've A lot been different drawn, than dance, though. Yeah, I mean, I've always been drawn to the arts and the humanities, so they've got a wonderful program. So you graduated from Columbia. Yes. So when did Ballet Beautiful come into your life? Shortly after. I graduated in 2008, and in the process I had, Ballet Beautiful really goes back to, you know, initially me dancing as a child and becoming a professional but most specifically to creating a set of exercises and stretches that I used in my free time and backstage to warm up, to be more toned, to help prevent injuries as a dancer with New York City Ballet. I had an injury sort of early in my career, and that was the first time I learned about just the concept of cross-training. What is it? It wasn't something that anyone had ever pulled me aside and said, you know, this is something you really should be doing. You're dancing so much. It's hard to imagine that you would need to do more physically, to be stronger. Um, But I found when I started creating exercises for myself that I could use outside of the ballet studio, I was stronger on stage. So what exactly is involved with the Ballet Beautiful program? So it's a series of what I would call ballet-inspired exercises and stretches that are designed to give anyone the strength, the grace, the muscle tone of a dancer. So we're targeting what I would call your ballet muscles. The body can be shaped in a lot of different ways. and It's really about the muscles that you target and then the way that you move them. So we're using, with Ballet Beautiful, I'm thinking, how how do we strengthen and engage your inner thighs? In ballet dancing, the hips are always open. Everything's coming from the inside and the back of the legs. So it's, you're really using the inner thighs you're always engaging the core, your butt is like lifted and pulled up and squeezed. So all of these muscles are working at once. And we're trying to mimic that with Ballet Beautiful through fitness. So finding ways to modify a typical gym exercise, like a squat, for example. If you turn out the toes and straighten out the rib cage and kind of um, the pelvis, suddenly you can turn a squat into a plie where you're working on your inner thighs, your butt, and your core instead of your quads. And the result from a fitness perspective is very different because it's shaping the muscles that you use on a dancer's daily training. How frequently do you use the bar? You have a bar here in front of us. So I love the bar, and a lot of our clients use it. Um, We have a mixture. We do a mix of mat exercises, which are great for toning, more work at the bar, which gives you the ability to have like an extra sense of balance and also exercises in the center that are more akin to like a cardio exercise. But with Ballet Beautiful, for the most part, we're not using a lot of impact. And I think it's a wonderful workout because you can strengthen the body and get this amazing cardiovascular workout without a huge amount of impact. So it's the kind of thing that you could do 
you know, well, well into your 60s and beyond. I was going to ask you, can you develop a ballet body at any age, a ballerina's yes. body? That is the really amazing thing, and one of the things that we've been so thrilled to see, and as, you know, as, as I've shared Ballet Beautiful with so many people around the world, is to see the way that so many different body shapes respond to it, women of all different ages, um, the way that the workout transforms people's bodies, but also their lives. I think with Ballet Beautiful, we offer something that's very unique in the fitness world because it does have this element of artistry and grace, and it's really a mindset in some ways, more than just a workout program. I was going to ask the question too, how much is balance a part of it? Balance in terms of Staying like on your feet, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great for your balance because with ballet dancing, you're always engaging your core. So every exercise you do as a dancer, you're pulling your stomach in tight. I mean, that's, in ballet, we would call it your center, which literally is like your center of balance. And we mimic that aspect with Ballet Beautiful, where you're, every exercise, you, even if you're working on your swan arms or your posture, or a stretch, you're still pulling in and engaging with the stomach and core, so it all helps to improve the balance. And the standing exercises that we have are really wonderful for that as well. Speaking of swan arms, right. you trained Natalie Portman yes. while she was getting ready for the movie Black Swan. Yes, I worked with Natalie on Black Swan. It was a very rigorous training program. And we actually met not long after I graduated from Columbia when I was just getting started with my business. So the timing was really great because I had a lot of time that I could devote to her as a client. And the training for that film was so incredibly intense. And the idea behind it was we were trying to get Natalie as close to the life of a professional dancer as we possibly could. And so if a dancer is spending, as I said, 10, 12 hours a day really dancing, um, that wasn't something that Natalie, understandably, was able to do. She didn't have an extra 12 hours a day to train with me, but she was able to carve out five hours a day, six days a week, which was really, I mean, that's an incredible amount of your life to devote to getting ready for a film. And at the time, Black Swan was really a small art project. No one could have imagined that it would have become such an incredible blockbuster. What do you think about that movie and what it did to, I guess, inform everyone else about the ballet world? Right. I think it's amazing. And we're so, I mean, I feel very fortunate to have worked with Natalie and Darren on the film. But as a dancer, too, I'm very grateful to the movie because I think that it brought the art of ballet into pop culture and it made ballet relevant for an entirely new audience. And that's one of the things that the that ballet's struggled with is who who is the next audience, who is the next generation? And and making ballet hip and fun and sort of sexy and cool for a younger generation as is probably in my mind one of the most important things that Black Swan did. I understand that you also work with Victoria's Secret Models? Yes. So I've been training with a lot of the ladies that work with Victoria's Secret for many years now. And I think this workout, we've always had a lot of clients in fashion. There's a lot of connections in terms of 
between dance, I think, and fashion, particularly from a dancer's perspective and maybe the perspective of a model, the way that your body's used, um, you having to be very careful you, for a dancer, and this was one of the ways that I came to create Valley Beautiful, you can't just go to the gym and start working out and suddenly, you know, develop, you start spinning and your thighs get really big or you put on a lot of muscle in a place that, that you don't want it. And so with the ladies with VS, we work, they work really, really hard. They train a ton. They're super healthy and they approach their training from the perspective really of an athlete. They take it very, very seriously, but they're not cutting any corners and you know really a lot of focus on the abs the arms but building a body shape that's really powerful and strong but still incredibly feminine what about for men could ballet beautiful work for them definitely we have male clients it's such a challenging workout um, so it really is for everyone I think that we've been embraced by a lot of very high profile ladies and so that's what we're known for. But the workout is really for everybody. Do you miss being on stage? Being on stage is magical. So there's definitely a part of me that misses that world. Um, but what's required to do that every day is so consuming. It's hard for me to imagine going back into that, the intensity and the rigor of life as an everyday professional dancer. What would you say is the greatest lesson you learned from that part of your life? I think, obviously, the discipline, the importance of consistency, and with dance, you learn, you really have to push yourself and to learn to sort of, whether you're sick or in pain, whatever's going on, you kind of have to push through it. And so I think there's pros to that. I think there's a certain work ethic that dancers develop where you, this is what you do every single day, and you don't complain and you don't make excuses you just show up and work really really hard so I'm very thankful to my experience as a dancer for instilling that in me what's your best piece of advice to an aspiring ballet dancer today I would say just hold fast to your dream don't don't give up uh, you you know you may get the dance world is difficult and it's it's challenging and it's filled sometimes with people that are not supportive or may not may not share your vision or your dream and I think you just have to keep at it you have to keep going and and don't let that negative stuff get in the way Mary Helen thanks so much for your time thank you it was a pleasure Mary Helen Bowers is the founder of Ballet Beautiful more info at balletbeautiful.com now, what's a ballerina without a tutu and point shoes? Mark Happel, the director of costumes at New York City Ballet, talked with us about the creative process that goes into every ballet. Mark spends most of his days among layers of tulle and sparkling rhinestones in the costume shop. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, you're very welcome. So take us behind the scenes. What goes on at the ballet company's costume shop? New York City Ballet is very lucky to have its own costume shop. It's one of the few ballet companies that does in the United States, much less the world. It's a shop full of about 18 people that are made up of hand stitchers, machine operators, a dyer, drapers, cutters, um, a shopper. And basically, we are on call pretty much all the time to both produce new costumes for new ballets that are premiering, as well as upkeep of old ballets or 
Um, sometimes we will completely redo a ballet or a ballet is being redesigned and we'll produce that. And it's just with a, with a ballet company that's true repertory, which in other words, you know, every night is different. And you have a company of almost 100 dancers with injuries and that kind of thing. You always have replacements or new dancers going in that you need to quickly have something for them. What does your role entail specifically? My role here at New York City Ballet is very much about coordinating all of that and overseeing the shop as well as the hair and makeup department, our shoe department, which is major here for a ballet company, and the wardrobe department. And um, in situations, I work with the designers to kind of supervise the taking their designs and seeing them through to a finished ballet on stage. I have at times designed ballets here for New York City Ballet. And then it's just also maintaining the costumes that we have that, you know, that premiered in the 50s, 60s, 70s and maintain their look so that they look like they did when they were a premiere. How is designing a costume for dance different than designing a costume for film or a play? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I have worked, uh, I worked a lot on Broadway and I worked a lot in film and as well worked for a few years at the Metropolitan Opera House. And when you come here, it's a totally different animal because you're designing a costume for basically an athlete that is doing, you know, amazing athletic movement. And um, it has to go on them and they have to be able to kind of forget that they're wearing a costume in a way. And they have to be able to have complete movement um, in ways that none of us really, you know, uh, us walking down the street would ever think of doing, Um, as well as putting up with the sweat factor, which is major with a ballet company. That said, are there specific fabrics that you work with most? Um, Yes, we do work with a lot of stretch. And when we do ballets, that a a designer will come in with, you know, wanting to use chiffon or duchess satin or things such as that. We're very lucky these days in that the fact that the fabric industry has discovered stretch years ago. So it has made its way into, you know, many fabrics where you have, now you have stretch wool, you have stretch satin, stretch chiffon, stretch crepe de chine. So all of that's our friend because any kind of stretch we can get is very helpful in making a costume for dance. Are you also working to make sure those fabrics absorb sweat? Yes. And that's all about, you know, the kinds of flat lining that we might use, or there's tricks that wardrobe has that um, can just absorb sweat. Sometimes we, you know, we have understructures that go into costumes that, that you would think make it would make it warmer, but in some ways they absorb sweat, so they they actually maintain the look of the costume and and keep it looking fresh on stage. I mean, there are dancers that were just up against a wall because they are such sweaters that there's just nothing you can do. Do you have an example, Mark, of a wardrobe malfunction? (laughs) A wardrobe malfunction. I mean, we have had situations where, um, you know, suddenly... Uh, you know, a, a ruffle on the bo- on the bottom of a skirt uh, it gets stepped on, and we had one last year where they went through the whole ballet. It was Tarantella, and there was a ruffle on the bottom of the tutu that 
unfortunately got pulled away. And so for most of the ballet, which is just two people on stage, this poor ballerina was dancing out there with a tail dragging oh, from, her, no. from her tutu. <laughs> but, you know, that's not what you can do. Is a tutu a tutu a tutu, or can they be very, very different? Well, I mean... Uh, there are different shapes of tutus. It depends on the ballet. I mean, there's the romantic, which is very long and many times to the knee and much softer and maybe to fi- uh, you know, five or six layers of tulle. Then there's a classical tutu, which is very um, uh, rigid and is made of more nets and that kind of thing, and which stands straight out from the body. Um, you know, and then here at City Ballet, there's the famous powder puff tutu that was developed by Balanchine and his head designer, Barbara Kerenska, which is a, a softer classical tutu, which was just made softer so that it, it was a little, it, there was a little more coverage. So you didn't see so much of the, you know, the ballerina's um, underside quite so much. George Balanchine, he's the late co-founder of New York City Ballet, right? Yes. Talk to me a little bit more about the relationship between choreographers and fashion designers. Um, I mean, there's there's many relationships you have. You have you know choreographers that love to use kind of the same designer a lot. They they create a you know a friendship and a relationship. They almost don't have to talk to each other, you know. Although they still do because it's a new ballet and. Um, you know, they, they, there's a rapport there, so they know each other well enough that they can almost, uh, you know, they're, they're almost already thinking the ballet through before even putting anything down on paper. But many, many choreographers, such as Justin Peck, our resident choreographer, um, loves to use a new designer every time. Uh, I think he loves the challenge. Um, I think he he loves the, you know, the bringing on a new vision, which always brings, you know, uh, both a new challenge and excitement just because you just don't know where it's going to go sometimes. And um, it can really inspire Justin, I think, and and it inspires me as well um, just to have these new designers around. I mean, and the designers are very much, if if they're very involved, they will go to rehearsals and start watching movement and listen to the music and just start you know, developing a look in that way. Who are among the most notable designers that you've worked with? There's a big young crop of of designers that we work with a lot. I mean, over the years with Justin, we've worked with Harry Young and Reed Bottlemay a lot. Um, they're very familiar with Justin's work. I mean, we've had our fall fashion galas over the last six years that have been, you know, it's an amazing array of top fashion designers from Tom Brown to Sarah Burton at Alexander McQueen to Valentino. Um, and that's been a very interesting event every year because it's this marriage of fashion and dance costumes. Those were started by Sarah Jessica Parker, right? Yes, who's on our board. What costumes have been your most challenging, would you say? I think the one that was a huge challenge but also very rewarding, I think, for us was um, one of the fall fashion galas. We had a fashion designer named Iris Van Herpen um, design a Benjamin Millipier uh, ballet. And she is very much, she thinks, she looks at fashion very differently. And her, her, her idea was to make these costumes that basically followed the musculature of the body in many ways, especially on the men's unitards, and that each section, um, it, all the, the unitards are sectioned off, 
and um, each section was made up of 20 to 30 pieces of plastic um, that were cut into these kind of half moon shapes and layered on top of each other, much like an, like an armadillo uh, back or something like that. Um, and that was a challenge just in figuring it out. It was also very interesting for us because I think it was a, a time when it brought costume, which is a very antiquated um, thing, forward into the 21st century because I actually, in talking to one of our drapers whose husband works for an architectural firm, we figured out quickly to make it short um, that he could, with a program he developed, he could take each of those parts of this unitard, unitard and he could, with that program, figure out exactly what shape each of those shards of plastic had to be and make a pattern for each one, mm -hmm. which, you know, was something that was so far beyond what we do and, and took maybe a week, and it was probably something that would have taken a month for us to do by hand. All right, Mark, anything we didn't talk about that you would want to add about costumes at New York City Ballet? I don't think so. I, I mean, I just think that you know, I think that it's a it's a shop that I'm very proud of running. Um, it's a shop made of amazing, amazing craftspeople, and I think we we continually bring you know costume to this incredible level of craftsmanship that is so beautiful inside and out. Mark, thanks so much for your time. You're very welcome. Mark Happel is the director of costumes at New York City Ballet. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Caroline Rotante, and thank you for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.